Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions. Tonight is episode 23, and we're speaking with our guest Matt T. from Philadelphia tonight. Um, Matt's really a special guest because he's in his first 60 days. Um, I believe, Matt, you have 59 days today, right? I do, correct, yep. Awesome, congratulations. Well, um, Matt is a super fan, and we're very excited to have him on the show tonight. And uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Uh, Gladly. First of all, thank you very much for letting me be a part of this. I know it's a little unorthodox to have somebody you know, so early in sobriety sharing their story, but it means a lot to me. Uh, as Jason said, listening to you guys has been a daily part of my, my current sobriety. So it it means a lot to, to actually get to speak with you guys and be a part of this because I know how powerful this podcast has been for me. So thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Um, I guess my story starts uh, as, as I'm still forming my story because I am a newbie at all this, but I thought back to six years old. I remember very, very clearly a very distinct memory of watching a Cary Grant movie. And uh, Cary Grant was just like the coolest in my mind. Uh, I always wanted to be an actor from the time I was really young. I uh, loved performing and I like watched these old black and white movies and Cary Grant was just like the debonair, the, the perfect man, right? He, he solved everything. He was always so smart and so cool and so handsome. Uh, and something that he would do in like every movie was when times would get tough, he'd go home and he'd just pour a martini, right? He would pour a martini out of that shiny, beautiful shaker. And it was just like, I remember being a young kid and thinking like, that is, that's the solution to life right there. Probably a little sign right there that maybe I, I was going to have some problems because uh, I was like that obsessed. Uh, I then remember being in college and one of my, the coolest things I could imagine doing was like getting home from class, getting home from work, getting home from rehearsal. And <laughs> I actually b- borrowed, never returned, but like a smoking jacket from uh, from the costume shop. I was a theater major, um, and I actually had like a smoking jacket. And my my first little purchase was like a silver tray with a shaker on it. And I would pour myself a martini when I got home from class. There's 19 year old me being like, "This is I've arrived. Like I'm a man. I'm an adult. Like this is what men do. I just wash away all the problems of life, all the stresses with, with some alcohol, because that's what I learned. That's what was ingrained in my mind. And that is the romanticized view that I created from a young age of alcohol and how it could just sort of solve everything. And, um, and so then fast forward from that, that, that you know, vulnerable youngster at the age of six to 26 years old, when I went moved from kind of pursuing an an acting career wholeheartedly, I fell into the world of massage therapy and wellness and nutrition and uh, the healing arts. And it was awesome. I've been doing it for the last 15 years and I'm blessed. I'm really lucky to get to work for myself, to be self-employed, to work in an, an industry that really helps people. It's a cool, cool thing. And every day that I get to work with people, people share their stories with me, people open up and it's a pretty cool gift that I know a lot of people don't get in the world. But something that they don't prepare you for in massage school is just how to, how to funnel everything that you take in and where, where to put it, where it goes. So here I was, you know, pretty successful. I was working at a, at a five-star spa while also beginning to develop my own massage therapy practice and working with hundreds and hundreds of new people. And these people were wonderful and they loved what I was doing for them and with them but they were also dumping a lot of their stuff on me. And uh, again, I had, I had no training for this. I, I didn't have the emotional maturity, the spiritual maturity, um, the intellectual maturity, or any sort of background to do this. I was not trained as a therapist. I was trained as a hands-on, a physical therapist. I could do that stuff. But having all of this dumped on me and being one of the world's number one people pleasers. I, had, I admit that and I own that about myself. I just, I wanted to heal all these people. I want to fix it. So uh, part of me, I think has always equated, like, if I'm a good person, then like, if I'm good to you, if I take on all your crap, if I, if I just let you dump all your stuff on me, and if I let you walk all over me, that means I'm a good person, right? That means I'm a person of value, right? 
right? Like that means I'm okay. So this mistake and that mistake, it covers it up because I'm a good person. I'm someone who gives selflessly and just sort of takes on the weight of the world. And uh, where did I go back to in that line of thinking? I went right back to that little six-year-old who was like, look, at the end of the day, all I got to do is go home, pour myself a martini in a pretty glass and just wash away all those problems. As you can imagine, that's not actually how it worked. <laughs> it's not how it works for anybody. It was not a way to deal with all that. I did not have an outlet. I didn't form a community through which I could you know, work through all of these, I don't know, just to, to work through all of these issues. And so alcohol became that thing for me. Not right off the bat. It was a very minor slippery slope for a while there for about the first 10 years. But it was always there. It was consistent. And I've noticed now, even in my first 59 days, how much it kept me sort of a notch below my best. I was really never operating at 100%. I can see that now, but I, I didn't see it for the longest time. And then fast forward 10 more years, so at the age of 36, life got kind of rough for me. My office burned down. I started losing people. I knew I had a lot of clients who were term terminal in their illnesses and things like that. People passing away left and right of cancer, of drug overdoses, of alcoholism and things like this. And these were people that I cared for, that I loved. And again, I did not know how to handle all that. I didn't know how to handle when life got tough. I, I, it was way too much for me. I just thought I do not have the capability to handle all this. So what did I do? I dove even further into the alcohol thing, the drug thing, sort of experimenting with, uh, with recreational drugs and a little bit here and there. And then eventually it got to the point where I spent an entire year of my life doing drugs. Um, and then, you know, by the grace of God, by some power, uh, I was able to get away from that drug addiction, but I didn't do it with any sort of a program or with the community. Once again, that, that ego stepped in. I, I've always tried to think that I could do everything on my own. And so I, I attempted to. And hey, I'm grateful. I, I've been able to stay away from stay away from that hardcore drug, crystal meth. Um, but I then fell back into alcoholism and hardcore over the last two years. And uh, really, I'm here where I am today and for this moment because I had a few people in my life who, who are in sobriety or in recovery who just love me enough to just be real gentle with me and just to sort of every once in a while throw out a little, hey, I love you. I'm here for you. Are you okay? What's going on? And I hated that. Oh, I hated those people for it. Uh, even actually Jason doesn't maybe know this, but Jason, I met Jason through someone referred him as a massage client. And this was earlier this year in 2021. And he came in just with this glow about him. And he was like, I'm in sobriety. Like I'm, I'm sober and it's awesome. And I was like, it just uh, part. And I, I think I even said, I was like, oh, I'm sober too. Because I was in my mind, I was like, oh, I'd stopped smoking crystal meth. So to me, that was sobriety. But I was still smoking weed. I was still drinking all the time. So it wasn't quite sobriety. But um, Jason just burned this, this, I don't know, it was like a branding iron, you know, that they like do to cattle, like something on my soul. And I was like, why is he so happy? And I had this resentment for you, Jason, uh, because you were so happy. And I didn't, I wanted it, but I also didn't, didn't want it because I didn't want to have to change anything, obviously, right? And so all those, those few people who dropped in my life and just showed me a little bit of love and also lived by example that joy that was coming, that was oozing out of you. I was like, that's not fake, you know? Um, and over time, it just, it sort of stuck. And I got to my 42nd birthday this year. And the day before, a, a, a friend, friend of mine, a sober friend, took me for a walk just to see, just to check in. And um, I, again, I, I wanted to emulate what she had. I just, for some reason, it just seemed she was so at peace. And I wasn't, I was so not at peace. And I said, I got to give this a try. What have I got to lose? I don't know where that humility came from. Suddenly, I do believe it came from just love and not being pushed by anyone. Like, like I said, Jason's just example and these few other beautiful people in my life just living by example. It was like, what have I got to lose? Like, I've tried a bunch of other stuff. I ain't getting any younger. Um, I ain't getting any prettier. I, it's like, it's just, I'm just not going in the direction I want to. So maybe I'll try. Um, and I started up in a program. And now that it's been 59 days, it's crazy to say that because it's like the longest yet shortest, fastest, uh, craziest 59 days ever. But, uh, but it feels good. And my story is still being written very much. You know, I listen to a lot of people with years and years of sobriety and I think, oh, I'm not them. And I also love the gift uh, of sobriety because I realize I don't have to be them. I just have to be me right here, right now. It's a, it's a pretty cool feeling. So, yeah. Awesome, Matt. Awesome. Well, um, you know, first of all, congratulations on, on your time. Um, second of all, I didn't know that uh, when I met you. Um, so I'm really, 
glad that uh, you saw me as an example that um, you could go after. And, you know, I, I really see that in you now. Like, for you to tell that story and to see you now while we're recording, I mean, it, it seems like it's two different sides of a coin. Like, it, it, I just don't see that at all because I see you happy and I hear you happy and I hear you living this program that you've chosen to to um, to follow. And so just just a clarifying question. You're doing uh, Alcoholics Anonymous? I, I, I am. Yep. Okay, yep. great. Um, and so, you know, through through your story, there are some things that I really identified with, you know, um, the uh, dumping all of your stuff on me and letting you walk all over me equals me being that selfless kind of person. And you should love me because I'm your punching bag and I'm your doormat. And, you know, I, I've said this before on the program, and, and I actually said this today at, at work to drive a point home around self-care where I used to be that guy that would give you my last dollar in my pocket and I would give you the shirt off my back, but all that did was leave me broke and cold. And until I started working this program and building the community around me, like you were just talking about, of these sober people, like the guys on this podcast, like the, the home groups that I have, like the people that I have in my life, I didn't really understand that, you know, I was worthy of not being that doormat, you know? Um, so what, what does your program look like today? Are, are you going to meetings? Do you have a sponsor? Are you, you know, what, what does that look like for you today? Yeah, I, I do all of the above. And me as a person, I, I jump in, you know, I, I don't tip, dip my toe in the water. Also, you know, I, I had known of Alcoholics Anonymous for a while. It was in the back of my head. So when I say, I don't want it to sound like I just, uh, one day was like, okay, maybe I'll give this a try. And here I go. I'm going to, you know, go, uh, balls to the wall with it. It was like, it was in the back of my mind for a while. And so I was thinking about it. So when I committed to it, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to mess around with this. I'm going to commit to it. And of course I waver in and out every single day. So back and forth. And I, I'm glad to say it's a little bit less at 59 days than it was maybe 15 days ago or 30 days ago or 45 days ago, but it's still there. I still have lots of doubts. I go back and forth, but, um, but I go to as many meetings as I can. I'm grateful to, I live with family now. So I have the option um, of doing this. I, I look at COVID as a gift. It was a gift that I ignored at the beginning and I just took my drinking to a whole other level. Cause all right, that's what the world told us, right? Everyone's drinking now. So let we're all supposed to be drinking. Like life's falling apart. Let's just drink. And that's what I did for 2020 and most and the first half of 2021. Um, and then I realized, no, it's a totally different kind of gift. It's not a gift to just slack off and just, and destroy myself. This is a gift to to become the person that I'm meant to be. Like, I know, I know I'm supposed to do something pretty freaking awesome in this lifetime. Um, I just have been limiting myself. I've been limiting, limiting myself. And so, you know, this change, I've moved five times in the last two years. It's been kind of crazy. I've moved all over and I could choose to look at that as like, Oh, poor me, you know, life has been so tough. And I, you know, right now I'm living in a basement basically and my stuff's all in boxes in storage and, but actually it freed me from all that, all that kind of stuff. I don't think I would have walked into a recovery program if oh, I had everything still up in the air. If I still had my massage therapy practice booming in Philadelphia and still had, you know, rent and all these different things and all these sort of plates that I was spinning. Um, so I have the time for it. So I can go to a meeting. I can go to two meetings. I can go to three meetings. I can have lunch with friends. I can go to spin class with other new AA friends, with other sober friends. I can go for a walk. I can go for bike rides and listen to your podcast for an hour at a time and other podcasts and books on sobriety. So I'm diving in uh, and I can journal every day and every night and I can use that 10th step app, which I love that you guys shared on one of your podcasts. And it gives me, you know, a barometer at the end of my day for where I stand. So I can do all these things. And I, I also recognize that it's not quite reality because life's going to, I'm going to have to get back into life and a lot of other things are going to get in the way of it. But while I've got the time and the opportunity, I am soaking it up. And yeah, I've met I've just met incredible people. Like I have these new friendships with people and I, I'm always that emotional guy who like cries in every meeting still. Um, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I give permission to other people to cry too. You know, somebody has got to be the, the sap 
in the in the group. But um, I just look around and I'm like, I've been waiting for you people my whole life. I've been waiting for you screwed up, messed up, like vulnerable, honest weirdos my whole life. And I mean, that's what I thought of AA people before all this. I thought anyone in recovery was just like a kook and like, man, you must have screwed up so bad that you're just, you're desperate for whatever. And now I realize that a lot of people have screwed up so bad that they're desperate and it makes them humble and it makes them vulnerable and, and willing to change. And that's the coolest person in the world because the rest of the world is just trying to put up a facade and try to make you think there's something that they're not. And that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing for 42 years. And I'm so tired of it. And then, like, so I feel this immense freedom to just be like whoever I am in this moment. And that is pretty freeing. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing it all. <laughs> you also realize that everyone is that kook. Like whether you're in recovery or not, kook. everyone's just messed up. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. That, and, it's, oh, and that's okay. I mean, everyone's got their shit. Um, my boss today actually you were talking about a gift and you know, the, the pandemic being a gift. And my boss actually said to me, it had to do with work, but he said, that's not the gift uh, you wanted, but it's the gift that you needed. And that can, uh, you know, that, that definitely relates to what you were saying and take a step back, by the way, North by Northwest. What a great movie. I mean, <laughs> Cary Grant. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> we have one of the classics. Do you know the classics? Yeah, exactly. Um, I had this direction. I mean, Jason gave a summary of who you were on a text, and I was like, I re which I do want to hit um, what you're still struggling with and kind of on the opposite side, like what is the hardest thing. But um, what, I, what I really found uh, impactful for your story was what you were talking about as far as why you got sober and the fact that it was the people that just said, Hey, I'm here for you. I love you. Just so you know. And that is so important for people to hear. I think just being with you, being there for you and not giving a two hour lecture about how your drinking is messed up. And, you know, because when, well, for me, when I hear that stuff, I just shut off. I don't listen. I say, you know what? You don't know what you're talking about. But I'll tell you what, if someone just comes to me and says, I'm here for you, I care about you, I almost don't know how to react. And that like, that's like a train hitting me, you know, and that is that those little moments, honestly, was what woke me up. It's my cousin back in the day just saying, hey, I'm worried about you or hey, I'm here for you if you want to talk or my mom or the times that my wife wasn't so upset and emotional and she just was like, hey, I really want you to be healthy. You know, like those are the moments that really were impactful for me. Yeah. Uh, so so I definitely thank you for, for you know, shedding some more light on that. Because I don't think we talk about that enough. Mm -hmm. um, but to go back to my original question, I guess within the 60 days, and you sound like you're doing amazing. And I, I'm definitely, uh, you know, obviously it's a one day at a <laughs> program. But uh, is, congrats, again, yeah. congrats again on 60 days. Thank um, you. What in the first 60 days would you say is the, the one or two things that you're struggling with the most? My ego is a powerful thing. And my ego is, hey, it's gotten me through a lot of things, right? I, I started my first business at 15 years old, um, <laughs> which is a little crazy. And I cleaned houses um, all over Philadelphia, the main line, uh, New York City, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Till I was 26 years old, till I jumped into massage therapy and then started my own practice. So if you can't tell already there, um, I have this, I guess, an entrepreneurial spirit, but also it's this like, excuse my language, but it's a fuck you, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it attitude. That's me. <laughs> That's very much me. Um, I, I've just like, since I had a very independent spirit since I was a little kid. And I've always said that with such pride. Like, like I'm an independent mofo, like, and I'm going to get it done. And like, no one, I don't really need anyone's help. But actually now I can recognize that that was just a cry for help, really, that I don't want to have to do it all by myself. Nobody wants to do it all by themselves. But if life kind of teaches you that you have to, well, then some people sort of crumble under that. And some people say, you know, I'm going to fight. Fine, I'm going to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that ego is constantly jumping back in it's like good job matt you know you, you got one more day so go have a drink and celebrate like life's meant to be celebrated baby like it's supposed to be a, a joyous celebration and that equals alcohol which it really doesn't i've had a lot more fun in the last 60 days probably 59 days than i've had 
in the last decade of brunches and boozing and, and, you know, nights that ended up in an argument with someone or, or nights that where I, you know, stumbled home or night where I just stood in a group of people and felt so completely alone, which I know you've all touched on a, a lot in your episodes. I, that resonates with me a lot. It's that feeling of like, we were told that alcohol makes you feel comfortable, right? It makes you just feel like one of the cool kids and whatever else. And I guess it does. For, it does for a short time. And then all of a sudden it puts you on the tippy top of this mountain where you are all by yourself and there's no one around and you can't see another living soul, you know, for, for miles around you. Like, that, and that's where I was. And I just sort of sat there perched. And so it's, it's amazing. I've shared this in my meetings and with my sponsor and things. I'm like, there are so many things I've been willing to let go of. I gave up on my finances years ago. I just sort of threw in the towel after my office burned down and I had troubles and whatever else. I fought, fought, fought. And then I said, you know what? I can't fight anymore. But the one thing that I have trouble letting go of is that like, that I can't ever drink again. <laughs> right? Like, but I, I've given up on so many other things. Why can't I, and, or won't I give up on this one thing? And, uh, and so I, I'll be totally honest. I still, on a daily basis, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll do this for a year. I'll do this for a year. And then I'll be good. Like then I can go back out in the world and, and just be a, you know, a badass and I can go start another business or do something all on my own and prove to the world that I'm tough and I'm strong because I'll, you know, I'll get the 12 steps under my belt and then I'll just jump off and, you know, go do it myself. Cause I'm tough. I'm tough like that. So it's that ego that keeps, keeps coming in, keeps sneaking in saying, Matt, oh, you know, you can do this by yourself. You don't need all those people. They're more of a mess than you. You're not really one of them. Those, those, those words just in those little voices, they creep in constantly. Um, and then what's beautiful is I notice it more now. We, we talked about the miracles of early sobriety. It's almost creepily miraculous how that voice will come in and then like my phone will ring or I'll get a text message. It'll be Jason. It'll be, you know, one of my many new friends from the program just checking in. I'm like, how did you know? <laughs> it's like, did you know those voices were talking? Like, do I, you know, I mean, who, how did you know that? It's because we have those, we have those voices too, Matt. We really do. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. I love it. And I just remember that I'm not alone. And all of a sudden that voice will just, it'll disappear. And it's so nice because that voice and I, or those many voices, I got, I got a lot of personalities in this brain. They, they're, they've been talking. We've just been in this like cyclical boring, like awful, you know, just conversation for years and years, never getting anywhere, never accomplishing anything, fixing anything, finding a solution to anything. We've just been going around in circles uh, and it's just been making me miserable. So it's really nice when that, that monotony is broken up by a new fresh voice, someone else who's genuinely caring about me because they know what I'm going through and jumping in. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. One thing that I really like that Jason um, used to say a lot to me is, you know, I, I used to say, oh, I can't drink. Well, we can drink, but we're just choosing not to. And yeah. that's one thing I had to change my mindset around. And I love that you said ego because I, you know, I am, I don't know what, like 10 months now or something, but I have this ego where if I didn't do something today, I'm like, I should get a parade. I should get a pat <laughs> on the back, you know? <laughs> how dare my wife still have uh, trust issues? How dare this person think X, Y, Z? I didn't do it. You know, we should all be on our hands and knees and praising me. And when in reality, that's just a normal thing for 99% of the world. And that's once again, my ego. And then when it's the opposite, I get so frustrated or, and I have to, I have to really internalize my feelings and uh, be self-aware when I, when I get to this point where I'm like, how dare they uh, question me, you know, or how dare they think I'm doing that? Meanwhile, I'm falling asleep or whatever. And if I, if I was on the other end, I would think the exact same thing for, for six years, uh, me falling asleep did relate to drugs, you know? Mm. And now if I'm tired, I'm like, how dare you? But yeah, egos, <laughs> egos definitely, I would say the top, top two on my list in, in early sobriety. So I love that you said that one. And, and, and you know, I, I think that's a, a daily struggle too with us as alcoholics and addicts. We have to constantly check our motives and check our ego because I think I shared on, on you know, the podcast and I definitely told you guys when I hit my one year, I woke up that morning and I was like, I expected a parade. I expected that fanfare and it didn't happen. And in that moment, I was aware enough to say, wow, your ego needs to get in, get checked. 
but I think it's a constant struggle. I, I think that we have to constantly deflate our own egos because that's the default for us as alcoholics and addicts. You know, Matt, listening to you, I hear so much of myself in early sobriety and the enthusiasm, the gratefulness. It's a surreal thing for me, to be totally honest, to, to realize that you have gotten sober since we started this podcast and don't, I'm not, in no way, shape or form thinking that we have and just this is what it's all about. The experience, strength, and hope. That's all we were doing. That's, that's it. So normally my question usually to the, to the um, guests is, especially in sobriety, you know, or uh, sobriety during the pandemic, you know, how you've utilized Zoom and whatnot. And, and you know, so I, I can only imagine you're using, using it quite a bit. But what... What has been your experience? Have you been in the rooms a lot? Have you been mostly Zoom? What's, what's it been like for you? I am in the rooms. I am all about the rooms. I actually, I guess I, I had blocked out a little bit early in the pandemic. I actually, uh, quote, I, I guess I started my AA journey, but I didn't in any way, shape, or form. I, I went to meetings for like a week, and I just sort of sat there with my video off. The Zoom thing I didn't like, and actually you've, you guys have addressed this. There were, I think, three instances where we got Zoom bombed or whatever you call that, where like, uh, you know, 500 young kids came in and started drawing penises all over like the screen and, and, and cursing at us and calling us these things. And that freaked me out. And, and of course, the alcoholic mind that I had, have, uh, but at that time I was like, you know what, that's enough for me. Like, I'm out of here. And one person said something mean to me, like in a comment. Uh, one time when I was sharing and I was like, how dare you? I'm the, you know, you people stink, but you know, I'm taking my booze and I'm leaving. Um, and so, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of the zoom thing. And so when things open up again, the timing for me this summer, it was great because a clubhouse just five minutes down the road from where I live now opened up and I've been in the rooms. I am in the rooms. I love the, the personal aspect of it. I I'm, I'm such a person that feeds off of the energy of others in a room. And, and I'm, I can't, you know, I mean, I'm not that old. I can get used to the whole zoom thing. I, I'm, I'm cool with it, but I definitely prefer the in-room meetings. And I'm that guy who's like, you know, who wants to go for a walk with me in the park between meetings? And then we'll go to another one. Like I love people. I love interaction with people. It is what, it's just how I survive. So I need my people time. Yeah. I am a zoom baby when it comes to recovery. Um, but for my one year, I went to my home group. But yeah, that, that connection in the room to actually, I found out what the hugs were about. I was like, oh, this is what we're talking about. Oh, great. And there's just that level where people really, they truly genuinely give a shit about you. And, and you know, and, and so I'll, I'll pass it off to Jason, which, by the way, I just can't, I can't imagine Jason bubbly about sobriety <laughs> and glowing. No, Listen, oh, yeah. I don't believe it. Listen, I mean... Just to hear that and thinking about, you know, 14 months ago, because I'm, I'm a little like th 13 and a half months now, but 14 months ago where I was literally not just sitting, but like laying on this couch, drinking out of a liter of vodka, high off my ass for someone to say that is just so beyond my comprehension that, I mean, it's funny and weird and like, I just can't believe that that's my life today. But I really have acknowledged the way that sobriety has transformed my life for no other fact than I'm alive right now. If you recall, I was telling people that I had a terminal disease and that I was going to be dead in six months because I was drinking and drugging myself to death so hard that I was gonna be dead in six months. I just felt that, I just felt that. So when I hit my six months of sobriety, that like blew my mind. And you know, it was, it was just so crazy and it, it's so weird for me to hear. And, and Matt, thank you for saying that, but it's weird for me to hear that because that was not my life 14 months ago, you know? Um, so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you acknowledging that. Um, you know, Matt, I want to touch on something, you know, two, two things, really. Um, one is, as a newcomer, 
you know, in your in your first 60 days, under 90 days, under a year, you know, this this podcast is really focused around uh, early recovery. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey in discovering a higher power? What has it been like for you? Have you done it? Is there still questions that you have? Um, is there, are you more spiritual, more religious? Can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, do I still have questions about it? Absolutely. And a, a beautiful realization or epiphany that I had recently is that I will every day of my life have questions about spirituality and my higher power, because in my opinion, in my experience thus far, I love that word. I love saying thus far. Uh, it, I've realized just how much I am my higher power. My higher power created me. And you also are every human being on an energetic level. We are connected. We are all, we are all here to support one another, which is why the isolationism of, of alcoholism or addiction is so, so dangerous for us because when we pull away from that beautiful connected uh, community or that connected spirit, that connected energy, uh, we, we just, we fade, we shrivel up so quickly. Um, I'm definitely more spiritual than religious. I was raised very, very religious in, uh, I was actually supposed to be a pastor. I think that was the goal uh, for me. They, they recognized that I love to speak and I love to sing and perform. And I was always on stage and I was always at ham as a kid. And they were like, he's going to be a great pastor for the, the Reformed Baptist Church. And uh, I became a gay actor in New York City. <laughs> that, that's, that's my joke. I always tell them, like, it went, went a little askew. So that, that'll just teach you. For all everyone out there who has children, don't try to impose your, you know, what you wanted out of your life on your kids because they will probably go the exact opposite direction. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, but my spirituality has been something that I really, I've heard it said so many times. I know you guys have expressed this. Uh, so at 18, when I became an adult, I also came out of the closet, and that was a big thing. And I was told the church told me that I didn't belong anymore. I was not allowed to be religious or spiritual at that time in my life those those words were synonyms i realized how they're so not even close anymore um in my understanding of it being religious is one thing being spiritual and connected to yourself and to your higher power on a personal level is a completely opposite thing than organized religion but i was told that i didn't belong and that i was dirty and i was wrong um you know in the eyes of god and so i ran away from it and that's when partying and brunching and drinking and all that kind of stuff became, it filled the void when that all of a sudden disappeared. Because I, I did, I grew up uh, in a Christian school. I grew up performing. I was able to sing and perform around the world in places like Vienna and, and all over the place. Um, I, I had a great spiritual upbringing, but it was, it was wrapped up in a bow of religion and so all these rules and all these um, ideas that were placed on me by other people. So it really only has been in the last, I guess, five years. I said when, when life got hard for me and I also dove into um, more drugs and things like that, it was definitely me searching for something. I was craving my spiritual connection to life so badly. And again, back to the gift of being a massage therapist, I have, I have heard people literally who are hours away from dying, um, days, weeks, months away from dying, who are seeing life in a whole different way. They've opened up to me. They have expressed and they've shared their stories with me in an intimate, totally intimate um, ex, you know, room. I mean, we're in a dark room and it's just the two of us and they are telling me things that they've never even told their therapist, their families, and that's a beautiful thing. So I, I was given these gifts of sort of like these little, uh, you know, like... Uh, like breadcrumbs to find my own spirituality all along the way, but I was just not quite ready for it at the time. The, the beautiful thing that, and the analogy I keep using is that like removing the alcohol, removing drugs and all these vices from my life in the past 59 days has allowed me to, to connect with that spirituality. The minute I put something else in there, it's, you know, it's like that little, like that little piece of plastic that you know stops the battery from connecting when you buy a new object, right? <laughs> and you got to pull that out. Once it's out, the thing works. But I'm that idiot who will be like, "It's broken. It doesn't work." Because I it's love not that working. analogy, like, by the way. Great <laughs> well, analogy. Right, how, how <laughs> I got to use that in the future. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it it makes sense. Um, you just got to pull that little piece, of, and that's what alcohol is. It was just a stupid, thin little thing that really served no purpose. It's just a dumb little piece of plastic. But I gave it so much weight in my life. It was like I can't exist without alcohol. I I need it. But but then when it when it's removed, it's like 
I light up, I become alive, I become a thing of power, I become pretty freaking awesome, like a pretty awesome person, like with gifts and with skills to help others and to, to shine light in the world. And it's just amazing that, you know, how, how many times and for how many years I've tried to disconnect from that. Um, if I may throw it one more analogy, and this, this has haunted me almost every day. I was on a bike ride one morning. I, I just either listened to one of your podcasts or someone else, but I had this realization that like, that I've spent so many years trying to unplug my power cable from the wall, right? Like if we all are given this gift of we're plugged into whatever, that's just the life source, right? And those of us who are addicts, we, we, we keep craving a break from life, right? We just want can when I just take a little time off, can I just get a break from this? It's too much for me. It's too much. I'm not capable of handling all these emotions, all these feelings, all these things, all this stuff that life throws at me. So can I just unplug for a minute? And those of us right now that are talking, we're lucky because the, one, the people who succeeded at, at unplugging that plug, thinking they just wanted to do it for a minute, just a little vacation, just a little escape, they're the ones who are no longer with us. They're the ones who are, they're the ones who are passed on because once you unplug from the wall, there is no way to plug back in. That is, that's when life ends. So I, I am so grateful that I haven't been able to unplug and get that, that so-called break I was looking for because really what I was craving was death. I was craving to, to just unplug completely and to stop feeling and to stop living. Um, and I, but when I say that to myself every day, when I'm like, Matt, is that what you want? Is, do you really want to die now? I mean, is that what we're talking about? Like you really want to just check out and give up on life? I got to say, no, I don't. I really still want to keep living. Um, and so when I look at it in that very harsh, very drastic uh, way of looking at it, like every time you go to pick up a drink, you're, you're not just having a little drink. You're trying to die. You're trying to check out of life. And when I'm that honest with myself about it, I really, I, I don't know. I just, I can't do it. Yeah. For an alcoholic, drinking is just slow suicide. Um, yes. You know, one thing you talked about in your story, which I think was, you know, you, you attributed it to one of the main reasons you actually got into alcoholism is uh, absorbing other people's shit, essentially, right? And not having an outlet, and your outlet was drinking. So in this 60 days, what have you replaced that? What outlets do you exercise now as opposed to drinking? Uh, you know, spirituality is, is a huge part of it. Prayer every day. Um, and while I'm still learning, and maybe I didn't even fully answer the question before about spirituality, uh, I, I, am, I totally buy into the idea of, I don't really like this term, but a lot of people have thrown it around like the fake it till you make it. Um, I don't feel like I'm faking it because if I'm doing something, I'm doing it. Uh, maybe someone will look at me and be like, oh, he, you know, he's phony, whatever, but I'm, I'm doing it. I wake up in the morning, I open my eyes and I say a prayer. I, I say, thank you that I'm alive, that I woke up another day. Uh, at least 25, 30 times a day, I just catch myself now saying thank you. It's become, it's become a habit. It's like a new neural pathway. Whenever I take a fresh breath uh, and breathe you know, air into my lungs, I now immediately, I, I feel grateful. I say thank you. I say thank you. And, I, and I've decided I don't have to give my higher power a name um, right now because that's semantic. You know, that's, the semantics just get in the way. And, and I don't need to understand it. And I may never understand it. I, I hate the idea of you know, putting a, you know, a, a physical person's image on God or on, on creation or whatever it is because we're so limited. Our brains are so finite. We, we really can't understand much of anything. So why, what's this ego? Again, my ego jumping in being like, Oh, I have to somehow paint a picture of it and put a, in a white robe with a beard, like right. Webster's Dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, and, and but that's a freeing, beautiful feeling that if I don't have to paint a visual picture of it or actually understand it, I just gotta kind of feel it. I just have to feel it and trust it and go with it and give thanks to it uh, every day and acknowledge it and try to be humble and 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 be communicative with it, whatever it is, he, she, it, whatever. I just gotta, I just gotta be present and try to establish that connection. And it does, that does work. It does work. You know, once I started doing that, it just becomes real. Um, and it, it, it goes from just a thing that I'm doing because I, somebody told me it'll work to now it's a thing I believe in and it gets me through the day. That's great, Matt. And, you know, you, you started out your story tonight with saying, you know, I think it's unorthodox by me sharing my story with so little time. And I think that you have completely disarmed that argument. Um, I think that you are extremely articulate. You have a sense of where you are in your program. 
Um, and I hope that your experience and this episode shows others who are either starting out their journey, haven't started out their journey yet, or need a, um, a, a revitalization to their journey, um, something, you know, and, and that you have um, really done a lot of work in 59 days. You know, you really have, and you you are very articulate, and, and I really appreciate uh, the time you spent with us. You know, my last question, and it's a question that, um, you know, we ask all of our, our guests, is with the time that you have, and whether that be 59 days or 39 years, what's one piece of advice that you would give someone either in your shoes or someone who's just about to start on their journey that will help them in their recovery program? I think it's a, a realization. I mean, I could, I, could, ugh, I could answer this for the next eight years of my life, but I think it's something that really resonated with me this morning. And that was in a meeting where I was sharing, and it was my, at my home group and we just, we got into a beautiful sort of sharing continuum. One person shared and then the next person pontificated upon that in their own way. And it was a beautiful connection. And what it came back to was the the adage which drove me crazy for the longest time when I'd hear people in AA saying, you know, one day at a time, one day at a time. I was like, oh, shut up. Like, what are you people like? Stop with these stupid little colloquialisms, you know, your little, your little t-shirts or whatever you got. Like, and I, but it's real. It, that this moment, like, take a breath and and then that moment's gone. But in in that moment, just right now, this very, very second is all I'm responsible for, like right now. Um, that I need to think that a trillion times a day because it takes the pressure off me. I, I love to, for whatever reason, just put the weight of the world on my own shoulders and feel like I am responsible for carrying everyone else's pain, but also my own pain um, and all these sort of things. But a deep, beautiful breath, it's gone for that second. And that's cool. Like I have that power. I have, it's like magic to me that in any moment I can just take a breath and it can all go away. That endorphin rush, the oxygenated blood that flows to my brain and my body just sort of lets go of it all. There's power in that right then and there. And so when, whenever it feels insurmountable, um, the past or the future, the things I've done, the mistakes I've made or what's in my future, how I'm going to clean up this mess of a life I've created, et cetera, if I just take a breath and literally am present, so that whole one day at a time, one minute at a time thing, if I can just get back to that moment, it's, it's okay. The pressure goes away. And of course, we got to keep going, but like, I find myself doing that so many times a day, just that little breath. And that's my interpretation of that whole one day at a time. Because even to me, sometimes the one day seems like too much. I'm like, crap, people, what are you talking about? A whole 24 hours? Like, I'm supposed to somehow figure this out? Like, what, 24 hours is too much for me to comprehend. But that one second, just a moment, I can handle. I can handle that. So just look at it that way. I think that is excellent advice. And, you know, to tie it back to my own experience, there were days where I had to take it an hour at a time, a minute at a time. So I think that's excellent advice. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, really, really great stuff. And congratulations again on your time. And we look forward to seeing more great things from you. You're welcome. And thank you, guys. I, this was awesome. I, I love being a part of this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Matt. You did uh, great, and you were very insightful. I appreciate it. So, Jason, you, you knew him, or you just met him through uh, our podcast? No, so I met him. Uh, a friend of mine who lives here in my town uh, referred me to him as a massage therapist. And he was living in my town at the time, literally in the same development. And uh, we were texting back and forth. And he was, he was saying some things that made it sound like he was in a program or had a knowledge of a program. And so when I walked in, I, we, the conversation just kind of led to, oh, yeah, I'm sober. And, you know, this is like a gift for myself. I think I, I forget how much, how much time I had. But I hit, I hit a specific milestone. And I was like, I'm going to get a massage. And, you know, when I walked in, I kind of shared that with him. And now to hear him say, like, that was like this burning brand on my soul. At first I was like, oh God, what did I do? But then to hear him and how articulate he is 
and his story for, you know, 59 days, you know, by the time this episode airs, he'll have over 60 days, um, you know, and just, I, I, like we were saying, you know, I don't know if I was that articulate at 60 days, you know, I, I just, I just think he's doing really well. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. No, but <laughs> it's funny though, it, like all joking aside, recovery doesn't um it's not based on time always you know i know people that are 30 years sober and they're miserable pricks and you know to hear the the joy and the fact that he brings this uh this hope to other people like he is more quote unquote recovered than a lot of people are at four years and he was so insightful well-spoken and like you said, articulate, but it's really that hope and the happiness and the, the experience, strength and hope that he's giving off that really makes his recovery strong. I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I, I as well know people who have 10 years sober, quote unquote, because, you know, just to hear the difference, what I see is that he's taking action in his recovery. Instead of it being this, you know, just something who that I'm a part of and, you know, I go to a meeting here and there and, you know, they're miserable pricks, like you said, but he's actively working at his happiness. And I really hope that the people listening really get something out of what he was saying today. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer because he does remind me so much of myself, like, I mean, just the enthusiasm and just just like you can tell he just he loves it and 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 you know it's these are the great times the 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 pink cloud all that you know whatever phrase you want to use but when life gets lifey what do you do and you know that's the thing you just keep coming back that's it just keep coming back because you know it's it's gonna suck at some point you know and and He's he's gonna listen to this and be like, oh geez, thanks a lot, Ben. But <laughs> but life is gonna happen, and you just keep coming back. And that's why I am I totally agree with what you guys are saying that time doesn't mean crap. It means that it means anything that you want it to mean. It could be good time. It could be bad time. Just keep coming back. That's the only damn thing that matters. How many people? No matter, and we've been doing this for what, 23, 24 episodes now. And Jason, when you ask, what's one piece of advice? Nobody says, oh, you need to get to this amount of time. You need to get to five years. You need to get to. Well, you know, I, I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier. And, and, you know, it's a great point, Ben. The more that you work your recovery program, no matter what program you're in, if you're in a program, if you're working for your recovery on a daily basis, this is a daily reprieve from the hell that we were putting ourselves in from drinking and doing drugs. If we are constantly doing this on a daily basis, and that could look different. Some days I'll go to meetings. Some days I'll do meditation. Some days I'll go to lunch or dinner with sober fellows. Some days I'll just be my, by myself. You know, I was at the beach for four months. Some days I would just go down to the water and sit on the sand and just be. That sounds amazing. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it Rub was. It Rub it in. It really was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, 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 and just to, to hit on that, you, you, it's just even some days doing nothing is doing something. It, do, it just keep doing something and again that could be nothing and that nothing could be not picking up that day you know and and like you you know one hour at a time sometimes five minutes at a time it, it you know you just just keep coming back and don't pick up and shit's gonna get better it's 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 not hard it, you know it, it <laughs> we make it a lot harder than, than it has to be but i guess that's why we're you know we are. Absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, uh, uh, easy program for complicated people. I've heard that I've, somewhere. I've heard people say, you know, 
I really like that we, uh, you know, we had Quint and, um, you know, Jimmy and uh, Pat. You know, we had all these people with longer sobriety. And, you know, Matt gave a different perspective, and I really like that. So I do think that we should, especially the fact that we, you know, we focus on early recovery. I really like that we had our first guest with under 60 days, and I think we should keep doing that. So uh, we should make that a conscious effort to keep getting people in early recovery because it gives a really good perspective. Well, it's funny because I feel like all the guests that we've had, we've looked up to them and been like, we want what you have. And for me, this is the first time that we had somebody where the, he, they came on and said, we, I want what you guys have. You know what's funny about that statement? I still want what he has. Yes. And it doesn't matter that he has less time because his attitude, not saying that I don't have that, but I look at him and I want what he has. And yeah. I, you know, it once right. again proves that time really doesn't matter. Right. Well, I think it was a really great episode. I, I agree, Chris. I think that, you know, it doesn't matter the time that you have. Everyone has a story. Everyone has the ability to um, share their their experience in this. And I really think that that's important, um, not only for our viewership, but for us. You know, we started this podcast to stay sober for ourselves. And if it helps one other person, which it sounded like it did tonight, that's that's a bonus, you know, so I, I really agree with you. And I think excellent, excellent episode. And as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially for the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, Feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.